Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed and past performance does not guarantee future results. And welcome to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Uh, and we are talking about elder care today. We have a very special guest, um, which we had we had to search far and wide to find. Uh, her name is Suzanne McNamara. She is um, my wife, and she's an elder care manager. So, hello. Can everybody hear me? Yes, we can. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, right. Suzanne. Good morning. How are you? Good. Happy to have you on the show. We haven't had you on in two, three years. It's been, been a while. It's been a yeah, while. It's been a while. I don't know why you guys didn't invite me back. But now that we have you in our back pocket, it's this would be great for, <laughs> what are we going to talk about this weekend? What's Suzanne yeah. doing? I'll be on every week. <laughs> and Suzanne is uh, recording Zoom with uh, Home of the Sick Kids. So if we get any, any interruptions, we will we'll be understanding. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, That's just the world we live in now. I'm interrupted yes. constantly. Dogs. Yes. Um, one time I was recording during COVID from my house and we have guinea pigs and they were squeaking in the background and someone I don't know if someone called in or what it was but or maybe it was our podcast editor was like do you have birds because I can hear the birds squeaking in the background and he tries to edit out the noise no we don't we have guinea pigs yeah it's very likely to be a dog barking at some point oh, or yeah. a child interrupting me for just toast world, or something just the world we live in yeah um but congratulations for starting your own business thank you right? yeah, and thank we're going to talk all about that this morning um, yeah, we should we should mention Suzanne's business. Uh, so, so she uh, is an elder care manager, which we will get into. Uh, Kinship elder elder care management is the name of the firm. Kinshipeldercare.com is your is your brand new website. And Love it. Uh, no, no comments on the website quality out there because uh, I think the, it looks design, great. I looked at it the other day. <laughs> I was going to say, well, the design you is do not it? exactly a professional. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. <laughs> oh, I think it looks good. I, po- I popped in and looked at it the other day. Thank you. Um, all right, Suzanne. Well, I guess we, we should start off with um, with you know a, a, an elder care manager. Why don't you tell us what we'll, we'll let you provide the definition uh, of what an elder care manager is. Sure. So a lot of people, most people, I would say, still don't really know what an elder care manager is, even though it's actually a profession that's been around for about 30 years, a little over 30 years, but it's still fairly new to a lot of folks. So even folks that are in healthcare directly in the fields and even people that work with geriatrics, a lot of folks don't know what it is. So I will sort of give a general overview um, of what an elder care manager is. And actually, we're not supposed to be called elder care managers anymore. We are oh. aging life care professionals. Oh. So that'll take that. a while to no one even knows. What was what the problem it, with elder care manager? Well, the geriatric word. care manager was really what it was. Oh, and OK. The, the word geriatric is sort of on I, its way out. I can see no that. Really wants yeah, to be, you know, I can see that. Like a geriatric pregnancy, which would be, you know, which is someone who's like right 32. Now, which is, is very so offensive when you're in your 30s. Yeah. Right. So the word geriatric, I think, is just sort of oh, on okay. its way out. So aging life care professionals. So basically, sort of my elevator speech, what I tell new clients when they call is, imagine if you were doing a home improvement project on your home, like a large scale addition or something like that. You could either do it yourself, meaning organizing it yourself. So you can call the window person, you can call the flooring guy, organize the painters, Mm. you know, order your own doors, or you have a general contractor that does all of that for you. So you're still there as the homeowner making all of the decisions, but you have someone there who's an expert who's walking you through the process. So I sort of liken that to what I do for an elder. So we all know that the world of healthcare is quite complex. Um, There's a lot of intricacies. And so what I do is I meet with folks and get involved in the health and life of an elder in a variety of ways. So I have some folks that, you know, very involved with their day to day. So I have some folks that either they don't have family around here or the family has just decided they want to be a family member and not really be directly involved in their day to day health care. So I 
organize everything, interface with all of their physicians, interface with anyone who might be providing them services or care, and make sure everything is going according to plan. So there's some folks that I'm quite quite literally the first contact if it's not an emergency or a decision to be made. So I have a, you know, just an example, I have a fellow that lives in an assisted living and his only son is lives down south. So I manage all of his day to day. I accompany him to all of his doctor's appointments. Uh, he's cognitively impaired. So I go to make sure he has an advocate and that everything that comes out of that doctor's appointment gets followed through. Um, I, you know, talk to his son on a regular basis and, and all of that. And then there's other folks that just want one or two or three meetings just as a consult to say, you know, we don't know what we don't know. So is my mom still okay at home? Does she maybe need some care? Should we think about assisted living? You know, what is a continuing care retirement community? And by the way, how do I pay for any and all of that? And how much does it cost? So that's sort of one extreme, the folks that just want some advice, some consults, uh, some assessments, and then the folks on the other end of the spectrum that we're involved with, you know, day-to-day managing care. And then there's everybody in between who, you know, we might meet someone during an acute, something acute that's happening. So, you know, I might get a call for, from a, an adult daughter whose mom is in the hospital and they just don't feel like they're, you know, maybe she's not getting the care they feel like she should be getting, or maybe there's just confusion and they need someone to sort of organize everything and get all the players together and figure out what's going on. So we oftentimes meet people when there's something acute happening and work really um, deeply with them and then sort of step back when things are a bit more settled. So, and, and perhaps that's why people don't know what we do because it is, it is kind of complicated and it's different to it's different with every individual and every, every family and every client situation. So means different things to different people, but that is sort of the quick version. Didn't seem quick, I'm sure, but that's sort of the quick version of what I do. I think we, you know, we, back to the beginning of your comments, we can, um, you know, as, you know, as financial advisors and financial planners, we can um, understand how the the business name changes, right? I mean, they used to be, uh, they used to be your broker, right? I mean, back in the old days, you were called a broker and then it went on to financial advisor and now that, you know, then it's a wealth manager and financial planner, right? We also, I I think our, uh, our business is a little bit more mature than, uh, and a little older than, than Suzanne's, um, you know, then aging life care managers, but uh, we certainly understand that. Anyways, um, I, I just wanted to, you know, because it's a financial show, uh, I wanted to make sure that we we, we do cover some of the um, the money the money side of this. So I assume, well, actually, I know the answer to this one, but this is a private pay situation, right? If you're working with an with an elder with an aging life care manager, is it? always a private pay situation or are there are there times when uh when insurance will step in and pay for your services suzanne so insurance regular health insurance does not pay for my services nor does it pay for most long-term care whether it be home care or anything in long-term care there are some very specific instances where we've been able to bill long-term care insurance for some of my services but yeah. it's not very it's not very typical. There's usually like a like a flat dollar amount that you can use up in a policy for I think it is for care management. I think I've seen policies where it's some labeled of them, like that. Some of them have it. Yeah. 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 But the vast majority of people that I work with are are paying privately for my services. Well, I guess that makes sense because long term some long term care insurance companies have their own care managers, I thought, right? Or they have some services that they can provide. Sort of. They don't okay. really work as deeply with yeah. clients as we do. So it's sort of still limited in the same way that, you know, if you're in a hospital or your loved one's in a hospital, there's a case manager that's working with you. Yeah. Some insurance companies have a case manager, but as with all of those places, they're tied to whatever that you know, whatever that facet that they're working with. So they're tied to the long-term care insurance company, tied to the hospital. Whereas what I do is it's private. So I'm not tied to anything and I can work with the client through whatever it is that they're going through. Yeah. Is there a, in a, in a, I know the, the, uh, the, our medical system is is sort of disjointed in a lot of ways because you just have a lot of, a lot of players. Um, is, would there be an economic case? I mean, I guess so from the, from a point of view of a, from the client, 
but also from the point of view, uh, you know, from from health, you know, people who are the end payers of healthcare services, would there be an economic case to pay someone like yourself, right? I mean, are, are you saving money to one organization or another? Or, or, you know, obviously, I think you would say you're improving care, which is a good enough in and of itself. But um, are you saving money for people or for doctors? Is that is that too broad a question? I think it's a little <laughs> bit too broad of a question. I mean. I, I, you know, my, my first and foremost, you know, I'm a nurse and I'm a social worker, so I'm not in finance. So, you know, my, my responsibility is to make sure that my clients are getting the best care possible and living their best life. So, you know, in terms of whether I'm saving money, you know, maybe for, maybe to decrease hospitalizations, things like that, you know, health insurance companies, that kind of thing. But what I think about first and foremost is, is my client as a whole person. And so, you know, I, I do, we talk money all the time and I give recommendations and, you know, give general costs of, of, of long-term care at home, long-term care in a nursing home, long-term care in assisted living, you know, all of those things. So I talk money and costs with my clients all the time. And because I have their whole person well-being in my mind, you know, I'm looking out for their their health i'm looking out for their mental health i'm looking out for their financial health so you know all of the above but but i'm not sure i could you know give a direct link to to saving money for for anyone other than my clients. oh then maybe helping them understand and utilize a long-term care insurance policy if they have one some people have those policies and they don't really even understand yes when they're going to pay out what they're going to pay for you know how to apply for even even stuff like how to apply for benefits i'm sure you're getting involved in things like that Right. Oh, all the time. Yeah. And I have folks, I actually have one now that um, the reason he called is, is really mainly because he wants me to handle the long-term care insurance claim. So as he said, I don't want to screw this up. So he's going to, you know, make me legally able to talk to the long-term care insurance company to organize everything and make sure it goes through this um, particular woman absolutely qualifies for benefits in my opinion. And so he wants me to help make sure that that can happen. So we absolutely, you know, do that on a regular basis. In, in your experience, are the people that are um, seeking out elder care management, or excuse me, an aging life care professional, <laughs> um, are no, they yeah. are there often long term care insurance policies in place? Because I'm assuming that people that are seeking out your services, uh, you know, ha- have the financial means to pay for it, right? It, it, for some period of time, anyway. So, are you seeing that many people are carrying that insurance? I would say it's probably less than half of yeah. the people that call have a long-term okay. care insurance policy. It's great when they do, um, because you know what a lot of people don't realize is that really in this country we don't have a great plan for our elders in terms of paying for care. Well, um, we could talk for forty-five minutes on that yeah. point alone, right? Yeah, and why that it's is? Cra- yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It yeah. really is. And so it's wonderful when people do have a long-term care insurance policy. But I would say it's less than half the people that call. Um, yeah, that is, doesn't surprise me. That, I'm surprised it's that high. I thought I you know. were going to say less than 10%. Well, <laughs> I, no, I don't think it's less than 10%. I would say maybe 25 or less. I, You know, I, I'd have to look at numbers, but I'd say it's probably less than 25. I mean, it's like less than 10% of the retiree population that has is that it? insurance anyway. It's a very small yeah. number. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, but I I'm 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 not surprised that your statistic is higher than the general statistic of people I that carry it just be. because people right. need to have the means to pay for care right. uh, at, at some level for some period of time to seek out um, a, right. a, an elder care manager. Exactly. Um, so that doesn't exactly. surprise Most me. People that are calling. I'm not not yeah. everybody. You know, we get all kinds of callers, just like I'm sure you do. But yeah. most people Oops. that are calling already understand that my services are mostly privately paid. Yeah. Um, you know, we do have folks that that are just looking for help and have found us on a Google search and are just calling, reaching out, you know, they don't they don't know anything about what I do. So they're just calling anybody they can find. Um, but most folks that call do know that it's a, a private pay type situation. Yeah. But you're right. You bring up a good point that that there's not um, a great deal of uh, desire to plan for the cost of care, uh, cost of health care, the cost of long-term care um, mm-hmm. later in life. There's, you know, and we have conversations with our clients all the time about this. And, and um, quite frankly, some people just don't want to have the conversation. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and that's, a, that's a 
that's a whole nother conversation too. Um, we, yeah, in this country, we, we don't, we don't want to talk about, we don't want to talk about death and dying. We don't want to yeah. talk about what happens when you need, you know, care at home. We just we're uncomfortable with those conversations in general. So yeah. a lot of times, you know, I would say the majority of people that I meet are in a situation where a lot of the advice that they want, at least at first, is I have this amount of money or my mom or my dad has this amount of money and they give me a general idea and they say, you know, here's the age, here's my mom's age, here's her diagnoses, and here's this amount of money that we have. Is it what enough? do we do? Yeah. Because yeah. we don't have, you know, we don't have billions of dollars that we're sitting on so that no matter what comes up, we'll be all set, but we have enough money to know that we'll never qualify for, you know, state yeah. benefits. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? We're in this middle ground and it's a really hard conversation. And I would say that's the majority of people that I meet are, are in that situation. That's like most people in the country yeah. are in that situation. They're in that right. middle ground. I so, actually think it's easier to talk about death and dying than it is to talk about the uh, uh, for, with clients. I mean, not, not like in your mm. personal life, but I think yeah. it's because everyone's going to die. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone sort of recognizes the need for life insurance. Plus, that's a much less expensive general right. uh, type of insurance to purchase. Um, I think it's harder to talk about long-term care and the potential Mm -hmm. need for that because it's sort of like no one wants to you know imagine themselves in that situation no one wants to be relying on other people no one wants to be weak you know in that regard and like unable to care for themselves Um, and it's also hard because we you don't know some people pass away without needing long-term care so you don't know you know, it's hard for people to like plan for something that might not happen and wrap their right. heads around that. I think it's a really, really hard conversation. It's really hard to plan for it. I mean, the people that are, you know, very well off financially, much easier conversation, right? right. They have the means to either buy the insurance or self-insure, but um, really difficult conversations with the majority of people that we work with as well. Um, it is. And it's also really difficult because there's no, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't sell life insurance, but I know when you're, you, when you're talking about life insurance with people, you can kind of give them, okay, you know, here's what you spend. Here's what you make. Here's the, um, here's the policy you should buy. Right. Or yeah. at least you can give them an idea of how much they should, they should buy for themselves or their spouse or whatever. It's really hard to tell someone how much they really need to save for what they might never need. Like right. you said, so so it's, you know, there's no general number that you can give someone right. to say here, this is what will make you comfortably able to avoid, right. you know, a nursing home stay or avoid being in a nursing home and having to apply for state coverage. Here's the number you need to save. There's no magic number. It's different for everybody. You yeah. know, health is really unpredictable Oops. as we know. And so it's it's a tough conversation. Even when you have the conversation, there's a lot of unknowns. And so a lot of people do just kind of avoid it, whether they know it or not, until they're in a situation where it's right there in their face and they have to make hard decisions and and choices. But I also feel like I I probably like could assign a number to that, but it's it's a really big number. It's a really big number like it, for and me to be and like when you're trying to save for yeah, everything else. Right. It's a number that most people wouldn't, you know wouldn't necessarily prioritize, yeah. you know, because it is a really, it would be a really, really big it number. It would be a really big number when they're already, you know, a lot of people are already trying to save what a million or a couple million dollars right. to successfully retire. And then to be like, right. oh, you really need like half a million dollars right. in addition to that to, to really cover the bases for long-term care. I mean, it's just right. a really, it's a, it's a big, it's a big number. It's um, a big number. Of course, it's, it's not. You also very, are planning yeah. for, you know, life insurance a lot of times is, is for somebody else, right? I mean, when, yeah. when you talk True. to a, a young family about life True. insurance, it's, you know, I feel like the motivation is, well, of course I'm going to buy that. I can't have my, you know, my kids, right. um, you know, on the streets. But, you know, with long-term care, it's kind of for yourself. And people tend to, I think, worry less about themselves than they do about uh, their kids, maybe their families in general. Oh, not that not that having a long-term care event, you know, doesn't affect your family because it certainly does. Um but I feel like it's probably another part of the motivation. I do think too, I think a lot of people truly don't understand that there is no other way to pay for it other than private pay or long-term care insurance. I mean, I, I get a number of people saying, okay, you know, my mom is 
85 and she's sort of slowing down. She lives by herself. And we think maybe she needs someone in her home, you know, six hours a day, four hours a day, eight hours a day. Um, I have really good health insurance that will, that will help. Right. And a lot of people really truly believe that because yeah, they have this great health insurance. Maybe they had a, a wonderful job and they have health insurance for life and it covers all of their doctor's visits and surgeries and, you know, inpatient hospital stays and they pay nothing but they don't realize that that doesn't actually help pay for long-term care. So a lot of people just don't understand and they, they have a, you know, a sense that they are covered because they have all these, this other coverage for, you know, health insurance, but it doesn't translate, unfortunately. And a lot of people truly don't understand that until they are faced with it. So that's, that's another barrier. Yeah. We have that conversation a lot as well. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's no picking anyway. Yeah. Um, no, right, it's pretty stunning to people when they hear, you know, what, that, that that's not, well, that's not I, going to help me. I this think, great coverage is not going to help pay for someone to be with my mom four hours a day. I have to pay for that myself. Yeah. And I'm sorry, how much is that going to cost? And it's, it really, it's very overwhelming for people. And I, well, I think a lot of people know that there is a program for long-term care, that there's a, it's actually a state run program for long-term care. Um, but it does, I, it, I don't think it covers any home care, right? I think it's exclusive or very little home care. And it's just, exclusive. you mean, mass health, I Medicaid? mean, mass health Medicaid. Yeah. So it does, it covers, there, there are programs that pay for care at home. It's limited. It's, it's not, you know, in the way that if you apply for state state coverage, if you qualify, it would pay for a nursing home stay 100%. It would never pay for 24-hour care at home. Yeah. So it's limited, but there are there's a number of programs that folks who are on Mass Health can get assistance for at home. Um, there's, you know, because being in a nursing home for people that are on Mass Health, it's extremely expensive for Mass Health. Yeah. There's a lot of push for community programs because it does save them money. So there is a push for more programs to to come into existence and there has been more popping up over the last 10 years for increased services at home but it's not oh, okay. hours a day right 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so it's not exclusive to nursing home but it's it's um it's it's not it's not 24 7 and it it you know never will be 24 24 yeah. hour care at home is just wildly expensive but if the state can can cover some to keep someone out of a nursing home, then they're saving money. So there yeah. there is some, but it's limited and it's nuanced and it can be tough to get onto. And there's wait lists and things like that. Yeah. And very difficult to qualify financially. A single person has to have almost no almost assets, nothing, almost no assets to their name to qualify. Correct. Correct. Um, so it's mostly folks yeah. in the, you know, folks that you meet, folks that I meet, they're in the middle somewhere, you know, yeah. like I said, not billions of dollars, but they, they don't have nothing. So they, you know, don't qualify. Yeah. Susanna, you, you are, I mean, of course, you know, you obviously deal with folks who are in, in need of long-term care, but uh, there are also, I mean, are you, are you familiar with programs that will help pay for healthcare, right? I mean, that's, that's all, isn't that also part of the maze that people have to get through where, um, you know, they may be, you know, you may need long-term care, but if you end up going to the hospital or if you have a diagnosis of something else and you need outpatient care, are you able to help with, you know, well, Hey, there's this program or that program. Is that something that, that you work with, uh, or, 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 uh, you know, have a, have an understanding of, is that a, do you mean programs in terms of, are you talking about health insurance? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, go, you, are there, I mean, government doesn't get involved very much in long-term care other than when you're talking about, you know, you know, in a nursing home on Medicaid, but what about, I know there are other government programs that get involved in healthcare. Is that something that you're familiar with? Or are you, hold on, do, what, I guess, hold, do you interface with insurance? Justin, hold that, Justin, Suzanne, hold that thought. We have to take a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed uh, with my brother, Justin McNamara and Suzanne McNamara with um, Kinship Elder Care Management. We'll just be right back. Are you ready to get organized? Let's consolidate those old accounts and make sure your investment strategies are appropriate. This is Kirk Reed, a certified financial planner with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Find out more at McNamaraFinancial.com. And welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Alyssa McNamara-Reed and Suzanne McNamara as the guest, not as not as co-host, as the guest. Suzanne, uh, my wife, is uh, an aging life care manager, and we are talking about elder care. Suzanne, are we still are we still able to call it elder care? Is that or is that? Well, many, pe- 
Many should, people do. No, you can still. I just want to be. I want to. Well, we should. We should use the. You know, uh, the phrase that maybe people are also um, are more familiar with, right? And before, right. Eventually, everyone will probably be familiar with uh, aging life care manager, but we'll we'll use elder care here for now, just so everyone's on the same page. And another buzzword is a lot of people still know us as geriatric care managers. Geriatric. Okay. So. You know, I agree. I like don't I like that term. Beginning. Lots of people don't know what we do at all. So, yeah. you know, any and all of the above. <laughs> really but, I don't like that term geriatric. I'm no, glad it's, it's, it's not. It's not a nice word. Most yeah. people don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, eventually elder will be phased out, too. And there'll be a, probably there'll be a new world. Probably mm. aging life care professional. That's what I like it. What, I like yeah. It. It's not bad. Not bad. I guess I guess the question, you know, I was I was bumbling through a question as we signed off there last time. Um, you know, the question that I have is, is are you able to help with health insurance? I guess in general, not not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, specific to, well, hey, who's who's, uh, you know, is this like VA benefits or mm-hmm. is it private health benefits? But I mean, I know that, you know, the the level of complexity in the healthcare system certainly extends to the insurance piece of it. And is that something that that you help clients with or is that something that's you know they they're dealing with as you are dealing more with sort of the the medical side of the care yeah good question so really like i said at the beginning it varies client to client and so anything that you might think of that you would need to deal with for either yourself as an elder or a parent or spouse or whomever in your life anything that you might need to deal with i can deal with and help So, you know, dealing with insurance companies, yes. I mean, most people, when they're coming to us, they they have their insurance is set, right? But absolutely helping to understand what's covered and helping sometimes to fight insurance companies, as we know is necessary. We can do that. You also mentioned VA, which was something good to mention. A lot of folks don't realize that there are a number of VA benefits that people qualify for. So I do help, you know, I've helped set people up with the VA, um, because there's a number of steps you have to take to get set up with the VA. But once you are, there's a number of benefits, you know, both for health insurance and also there are some long-term care benefits uh, Mm. that the VA will cover depending on uh, how service connected you were and things like that. So, and in short, yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. I just, I I think maybe we should, um, maybe we should sort of set the stage with sort of the, maybe the types and levels of care that we are talking about. I know that there, you know, when when we talk about um, aging life care, there, you know, everyone's sort of familiar with, uh, a, you know, what a nursing home is. But why can we go through some of the other, maybe we'll call them levels of care or maybe types of care, just yeah. so we're all on the same page? Because I know that they're that's sort of a that list is kind of changing, and the names are also, I think, will occasionally change because I hear you talking, and I and I'm you know, I'm sort of caught off guard by a new term. So, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, nursing home, I think everyone's fairly familiar with. Um, why don't, you know, I, I assume that um, everyone is also pretty familiar with an assisted living, but why don't we go through that? Well, um, there's actually people, people who sometimes use all those terms, you know, okay. you're probably familiar with them, but a lot of people mm. aren't actually. And a lot of people use those terms interchangeably and they they should not be used interchangeably at all. So, I think I'd rather go into it assuming people don't know yeah. um, because a lot of a lot of people truly don't know. So um, so you have home care, right? So there's folks that are living at home independently in their own home um, and they might just need someone to come in to, you know, help them make meals, help them do laundry, maybe some light housekeeping, maybe some assistance with their ADLs, which is activities of daily living taking a shower, getting dressed, things like that. So you can hire someone to come into your house, usually someone that's, you know, certified, a certified nursing assistant, a CNA, or an HHA, which is a home health aide, to come into your home for a number of hours per day and help with those kinds of things. And there's a lot of agencies now that uh, that have CNAs and home health aides. With the aging population as it is, there's more, more and more of these companies popping up Every single day. I was going to say that must just be booming because, well, because of the aging population, but also because that's what everyone envisions for their family and for themselves. Right. No one really envisions anything else if they need assistance in the future. So I was actually wondering, like, if that's, I know that that's, I know that that's a booming industry, but I wasn't sure if it was because, um, 
of the aging population alone or just because um what am I trying to say? Like like personal preference. I don't know if the oh, yeah. other types of facilities are getting less popular or or what, but keep going yeah. and we'll dig Yeah, into that. I mean just as an aside, there's also absolutely home cares are booming and there's more yeah. and more popping up. I mean, I I'm pretty familiar with them in my area, but still I'll hear of some that I've never heard of and they're new. Um, but you know, that being said, there's also new assisted livings popping up every day oh, okay. and new continuing yep. care retirement communities okay. being built. So it's just, you know, the aging population it's the, it's the boomers. Is, is just, yeah. um, you know, crazy. The amount of people that are going to be over 65 in the next 10 years, I don't have the number in front of me, but I, I recently posted it, I think on my LinkedIn, it's a pretty staggering number. Mm-hmm. So all of these businesses are going to be booming and growing, and we're going to see more growth in all of those areas. So um, but yes, in general, home care is, is everyone, most everyone's preference. I rarely meet someone that has the funds to comfortably stay at home no matter what, but chooses not to. That's, that's pretty rare. Usually, you know, yeah. someone that has the, the funds to stay at home comfortably and, and bring care in, that's typically what people prefer, but you know, everybody, everybody has their individual preferences. I've, so, met, a, I've met a couple of people that envision being in some sort of a community just, yep. you know, so that they're not alone, but yep. very few people envision yep. uh, that, that community style of living when they're older. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. The, the community is, is, you know, probably, I'm sure we'll get into it more of a, uh, you know, the, the the goal is like an independent living community where there's lots of other people around and some and some support, but, but independence. Um, you know, I don't think people are looking forward to being in a nursing home. Right? Yeah. That's, a, that's right. a very different mental picture. Yeah, right. right. And uh, again, a lot of people just don't know what's out there. So you know, the more people that learn about the communities that we'll talk about, the more interest there is. So we'll we'll talk about that. Um, so there, so there's that home care piece where you can hire someone to come into your home and help you with whatever you need. <clears throat> Excuse me. Most of those services are private pay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Sorry. Uh-oh. Some insurance. Just I'll just know while you're but, taking a drink that some insurance. <laughs> Uh, many yes, insurance, so, uh, long-term care insurance policies will cover exactly. care at home if you qualify for care in general. Yeah. Exactly. So. So it's either pretty much either private pay or if you have a long-term care insurance policy. And, and again, it, I should say that just because you have a long-term care insurance policy and you feel like you or right. your loved one or your spouse needs some help at home, it doesn't mean the long-term care insurance company is going to feel the same way. So there's very specific qualifications yep. that you have to meet to be eligible to pay for uh, to be able to to get benefits from your long-term care insurance company. Yeah. So just because mom or dad or your spouse might be slowing down and, you know, can't make it down to the basement to do that laundry and you think, oh, great, we have this policy that she's been paying into for, you know, 30 years, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to reap those benefits yet. There's pretty uh, pretty specific qualifications that you have to meet uh, in order to to get those benefits. So just be careful there when you're thinking about depending on long-term care insurance to cover, um, you might not yet, especially if it's, you know, sort of just a little bit of help that you're thinking mom or dad might need. You're probably not going to qualify for so, your long-term care insurance. So on that note, yet. for people that do have long-term care, they generally the qualification is that they, a doctor or medical professional, I'm assuming the doctor needs to certify that they need help with two out of the six activities of daily living or that there's a cognitive impairment. Correct. And that they, yep. yeah. Okay. And, I yep. and I've seen, I've seen some policies now that they say two or more activities of daily living, but they actually qualify that further by saying one of the activities of daily living has to be X, you know, so someone has uh, to have a need to help with continence or something like that. So it, it goes even further. Oh, interesting. So, okay. um, yep. you know, as I tell clients when they're thinking about long-term care, using their long-term care, you know, long-term care insurance companies want to make money. So their, yeah. their goal is not necessarily to help you pay for that long-term care you right. know, that you're getting. So, right. um, some of them are pretty specific and there's a lot that needs to be, uh, done in terms of, uh, documentation from doctors. Like you said, there's a visit that needs to be made by a nurse out to the person's home. Some of them are done virtually now, but um, out to the person's home to sort of assess them. Mm-hmm. Questions have to be answered. So there's a lot that has to happen before you can get the benefits from your long-term care insurance. Yeah. 
Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt on that. Okay. No, so that's okay. So home care. Okay, so after home, so home care, care, so then what are, yep. what are other So options? then there's kind of, it used to be sort of a, a really easy to understand continuum. It's not quite as easy now because it's sort of more nuanced. So there's, there's independent living and there are places that are strictly independent living where you are in a building type environment, sort of an apartment type building. And you might have your meals covered. You know, there might be three meals a day Mm -hmm. covered and there's maybe once a week housekeeping. Mm -hmm. But other than that, you're pretty much on your own. Yeah. And there's a lot of these places around, like I know around us, Linden Ponds. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That's not strictly independent living. That's not strictly independent living. So there's some that are that are strictly a standalone building Mm -hmm. that are independent living where like I said, you're pretty much on your own for your own care. You know, you have to be able to get dressed and 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 use the bathroom and and shower and do those things independently. Or, you know, on top of that, you can be in an independent living and then bring in extra care. Mm-hmm. So if you are in an independent living where your meals are covered and maybe your housekeeping's covered and you love it there and you don't want to move, you can bring in extra care above and beyond the independent living because it's pretty much your own apartment. You're pretty much on your own. You can come and go as you please. You know, people have cars a lot of times and can do whatever they want. So you can bring in extra care to an independent type living environment. And I don't know how long these have been around, but I feel like that's pretty brilliant. It's a brilliant model where there's different levels of care and or you can be independent and all amenities shared. I think it's right. great, but they've been around a long time. I know, but. And those yeah. are cheaper than sort of the next level of care, which is assisted living. So it, so a standalone independent living is typically a little bit cheaper than an assisted living. And with an assisted living, again, there's assisted livings that are standalone buildings that have been around for a while. And there's tons of them popping up all over the place. In a typical assisted living, standalone, traditional assisted living, you pay a monthly fee and you get three meals a day in a in a dining room type setting. You get your weekly housekeeping, you know, vacuuming, changing the sheets, things like that. Usually laundry. They'll usually do your mm. laundry. And then usually every assisted living is a little bit different the way that they structure it. But typically you get up to a certain amount of minutes per day. Usually it's like 45 minutes a day or an hour a day of care. So meaning in that rent that you're paying, you also get someone that can come in and help you to get washed up and get dressed okay. every day. Okay. So it used to be that in assisted livings, there was just that one monthly fee. Here's what it covers. End of story. Everybody pays the same. But now, you know, especially because you know, people, like you said, don't want to go into nursing homes, assisted livings offer more of tiered levels of care. Yeah. So you might come in when you're fairly independent and not really need anything other than that basic uh, level of care. And then you might, you know, two years later, you know, you might be a little bit weaker, you're aging as we all do, and you might need more assistance. So they have what they call a care plan where the nurse of the assisted living assesses you every so many days. And they might say, listen, you know, you or your mom or whomever it is has moved up a tier in their care. So meaning you're paying a little bit more because you're needing a little bit more care. So, you know, usually they'll have two or three or four tiers of care, depending on how much that person needs. And so that that's a standalone assisted living. A lot of the assisted livings have a traditional side where it's just, you know, apartment style, you come and go. But then they also have a, a special unit, a lot, not all of them, but a lot of them have a special unit for those with cognitive impairment. Right. Yeah. So those units are often secured, right. you know, locked, because often folks with cognitive impairment have a, you know, um, a, tendency to wander mm-hmm. and it's a safety concern. So a lot of those assisted livings with the with a specialty unit have a secured door that needs a code to get out of for, for loved ones that have cognitive impairment. So on those units, the activities are geared, you know, a little bit differently. The staffing ratios are typically better on those units because those folks usually need a little bit more care. 
and usually the price is higher. Yeah. So even going in on a, you know, tier one type, it's, it's a bit higher on a specialty unit, which is what, 12, reasons. 10, 12, 14,000 a month in that range. Can be. Yeah. Yep. It can be, uh, assisted living, the costs of assisted living vary quite a bit now that it's and, so a la carte, um, right. And in, in the tiered model. Yeah, yeah, it varies in the tiered model. It also just varies depending on the town, Okay, you know, that the assisted living is in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's still some assisted livings. I should also mention that in assisted livings, there's different size apartments. So there's usually a studio sure. yeah, and then one bedroom and two bedroom. Typically in a standalone assisted living, a two bedroom is usually the highest, uh, the, the largest apartment size. So obviously the price is different there. And recently, you know, I, I have seen some studio apartments in, in some towns that are still as low as like $6,000 a month. But I will say it varies quite a bit because there's also studio apartments in, in an other assisted livings, maybe newer or just different town that's up to, you know, $10,000 a month for a studio. So mm-hmm. it really varies quite a bit. And then if you go to a one bedroom or a two bedroom or a, a specialty unit, you know, you can see 11, 12, 13,000. Yeah. Uh, it also depends on if there's a spouse. So if there's two people moving into an apartment, the cost goes up there. It's not double usually, mm-hmm. but it, it goes up. Um, so it's, it, it varies quite a bit. Now you, is, is it, sorry, is I'm it, sorry. is, I was just going to ask if adult daycare and like respite care, is that still a thing? Is adult daycare still a thing? So adult day health is still a thing. Okay. Um, used, used the wrong term. Oh, I see. Okay. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's not, so that's like not a thing. It's, it's adult sort of day health. Okay. Adult day health. Yeah. Okay. ADH adult day health. Um, there are still adult day health. I, I don't find them as popular with most folks. Um, a lot of the, the mass health world. So the folks that are on Medicaid utilize adult day health because okay. it can, it's quite cost effective to yeah. have someone go to an adult day health at say, you know, eight o'clock in the morning and they're covered. They have someone with them all the time and they come home at three o'clock. It's a lot cheaper for, you know, the state to sure. pay on the state to pay for that sure. than it is to pay for someone to be with one individual all day long. So in the in the, the the mass health world, adult day healths are quite popular. I don't find a lot of folks wanting to participate in an adult day health. Um, that you know, private pay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of people that do other activities. You know, they're involved in the senior center and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the the typical adult day health centers where you go and you're kind of in a room or two rooms or a, a facility for a day. Um, you know, you get your sometimes breakfast, most oftentimes lunch, um, do some activities and then, and then go home. It's not, you know, I don't find them to be super popular amongst the population that I see. Okay. Uh, but it is, it is adult day health are, are there. Adult day health is usually a center where you can go and there's someone that can give medications mm. throughout the day. And there's someone that can help with, you know, using the bathroom if that's necessary. And there's usually a, a hot meal or two provided. And you pay a fee, you know, less than you would to pay for someone to be with you for six hours a day. Right. It's, it's less than that to go to an adult day health. Um, but yes, they are out there. I don't see them popping up quite as much as home cares and assisted livings because I just think the the interest is not there. Yeah. But they are. They are there. Okay. Can you can you talk a bit about the level of medical care at the various, mm. you, know, you know, obviously we're, we're sort of, I know we haven't made it all the way up the continuum of care here, yeah. but, um, you know, w- with regard to, you know, obviously there's, you know, people will need care that are, that are non-medical, right? If you need mm-hmm. help getting dressed or cooking meals. Um, what about the medical side of it? I'm assuming, yeah. right, the, the independent living, probably there's not any medical care because you're mostly on your own, but what about when you, Correct. as you go up, is it just, um, yep. obviously there's more care on the on the you know sort of custodial side, but but what about the uh, the medical side? That's a great question. Um, so we'll just go back for a second to talking about home care. So most of what I was talking about in regards to home care was was that non medical care. So more of that custodial care. You can obviously also pay for medical care at home. You can pay for a nurse, you know, an RN or an LPN at home if there's some kind of need. It's obviously much more expensive than to pay for a non-skilled professional, you know, like a CNA or something like that. But there are also home health companies that have nurses that you can pay for 24 hours a day, just like you can for a CNA to help you get get dressed and get bathed. You can also pay for 
a nurse to be there 24 hours a day to do whatever, you know, administer medications, help with a feeding tube, you know, things like that. So, and then once you get to independent living, like you said, really no medical care or oversight, you're, you're pretty much think of it as you're in your own apartment or your own home and you deal with your healthcare and medical care the same way you would at home. And then in an assisted living, so an assisted living is still a, in, in Massachusetts, assisted livings are non-medical models. So assisted living is a social model. So is that by regulation or is it regulation. just by convention? Okay. No, it's regulation. regulation. Yeah. Okay. They're actually, there's, there's assisted livings are not allowed to do almost anything when it comes to medical oversight. Oh. So yeah, so most assisted livings have a nurse either 24 hours a day or a lot of them are like 12 hours a day. There's a nurse in the building. Okay. So the nurse helps with, you know, assisted livings can administer medications with a doctor's order. So they can administer your daily medications with a doctor's order. So they can give, you know, come in with your pills and hand them to you with some juice. You have to really be able to kind of take the pills yourself. They can they can give and remind and then you take them yourself. When it comes to um, any other medical oversight, they really can't provide much. So actually the nurse that's in an assisted living is really only supposed to provide first aid type services in an emergency. So I'll okay. give you an example. So if someone has you know, a, a wound, say someone has diabetes, and oftentimes with diabetes comes wounds that don't heal. So if someone has a wound on their foot um, from a complication with diabetes, and that wound needs to be, um, addressing needs to be changed every day, even if it's a really simple um, dressing where it's just, you know, you have to wash the wound and cover it with gauze and a piece of medical tape. The nurse at the assisted living is not able to do that. So that has to be done by a visiting nurse agency that comes in from the outside, paid for typically by Medicare, but the resident nurse at the assisted living is not able to provide that care unless it's a first aid type situation. So if that nurse walks in and sees a wound, they can provide first aid. They can say, okay, I'm going to do my best to sort of cover this and, and help the situation. But beyond that, they, they have to tell the resident and the family, you know, here's this issue. You need to call your doctor and sort of figure out what to do. So they're really, you know, the nurse is there more for coordination of care and not really hands-on. So in an, in an assisted living environment, you are still responsible for your own medical care or your family members are, which is a lot of what I do. You know, like the, the fellow I told you about that I manage all of his care. So he's in an assisted living. So we're able to get him transportation to his doctor's appointments through assisted living. They have a wheelchair van, but I go with him to all of his doctor's appointments and coordinate all of that care. And, you know, when he was hospitalized and came out of the hospital, he needed some additional care. So he needed some VNA, which we can talk about too. Um, so I coordinated all of that care because the assisted living doesn't really do that either. Um, the assisted living is there for, a safety net. They're there to provide the meals. They're there to have staff 24 hours a day. They're there for activities and social involvement, but they're not there for medical oversight. What about so, in a nursing home? That must be different then. Very different. Yeah. In a nursing home. Okay. Very different. In a yeah. nursing home. Okay. So, so assisted, like I said, assisted living, they're built on a social model. They're regulated and okay. they really can't have a whole lot of hands-on care. Okay. And that must that just must flow down from medical regulations that are, you know, like either there are rules about what staffing levels at hospitals mm -hmm. and nursing homes and mm -hmm. they're, you know, and assisted living is just essentially that's not what you do. So you have to see, so, so you therefore must stay out of it. Otherwise we're going to come in with a bunch of regulations exactly. that you have to follow and then you'll turn exactly. it to a nursing home basically. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Uh, all right. You mentioned VNA. I'm interested in that. So VNA is a general term for a visiting nurse. So when someone is hospitalized, typically, so say someone ha was living at home and they had a stroke and they were hospitalized for that stroke and they were in the hospital for, you know, five days. And then maybe they go to rehab because they have some deficits from that stroke. So they go to rehab for a couple of weeks to get stronger and then they are going to return back home. 
So they are going from a pretty acute setting to being back home and they need a bit of transition time. So they might need some continued physical therapy, some continued occupational therapy, and maybe some nursing services um, to allow them to continue their recovery. So that's when a VNA gets involved. And VNA is typically paid for by Medicare. And it's a short-term service. Again, this is something that people don't understand where they think, oh, I can, you know, Medicare pays for VNA. Perfect. I'll have a nurse come every day and check on my mom. Well, yes, Medicare does pay for VNA and they will they will pay for a nurse to come, usually not every day, but a couple times a week to take blood mm-hmm. pressure and to, you know, maybe fill a medication box and do things like that. But it's over typically a pretty short period of time. Okay. So and it's a imme- and it's only immediately post hospitalization. Typically post hospitalization or post rehab stay. In in some okay. instances we can, you know, if there's someone that has not been hospitalized but they've declined for for one reason or another, we can get a doctor's order and get them some short-term VNA services. But typically, VNA is used post hospitalization and post rehab stay. And is this like did 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 the VNA and and organizations like that did this did it sort of evolve after like hospital stays in the last couple of decades have come like way down, oh, yeah. right? And oh, so yeah. I'm I'm assuming like this sort of evolved from that, right? Um, oh yeah, where people Absolutely. weren't being I mean, overseen. People that are yeah, at yeah. home getting services yeah. that yeah really your hospital level of care and should still be in the hospital. You right. don't keep people, you know, it's like yeah. people used to have babies and stay in the hospital for two weeks. And, yeah. you know, now we're in and out in 48 hours. So right. Right. same goes for folks that are sick. Um, but, but, but the nurses weren't visiting my house after I had babies to like, no, to watch nope. my kid in the middle of the night. That doesn't qualify <laughs> you for DNA. No, you're fine. You're on your own. It's custodial care. They it's weren't custodial. taking my, they weren't visiting and taking my baby so I could take a nap after I got home. <laughs> Would have been nice. I know. All right. All right. We have to take a a break. Um, You're listening to McNamara on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed, joined by Justin McNamara this morning. And so many, and just to round out all the McNamaras, um, Suzanne (laughs) McNamara, who is an aging life care professional, the new, uh, the modern term for an elder care manager. Um, She has a business, uh, Kinship Elder Care Management. You can find her at uh, oh, I'm sorry. Kinshipeldercare.com. Eldercare.com. Um, we're talking about sort of all things related to elder care today, and we're just taking a break. We'll be right back. 